someone came up to me and said, as I was getting ready to prepare, they said, Rashonda, we've been praying for this moment that God is ushering you in for 10 years. Mm-hmm. 10 years. I had a responsibility to Christ. But you ready for this? I haven't even said it like this ever before, Kelly. And this is causing me to shudder at the thought if I wasn't obedient. I also had a responsibility to that person's prayer. Welcome to the Genius in You podcast, where I get to talk to ordinary moms doing extraordinary things in business and in life. I'm your host, Kelly Thompson, and if you're looking to serve more, sell more, and make an impact, this is where we do it. I have the pleasure of speaking with Rashonda Pratt. Her dynamic personality and her expertise has been featured nationally on CBS's The Talk, The Tamron Hall Show, The Today Show. Rashonda is the author of two books. CEO Live Video, Discover the Fundamentals of Dominating Live Video Through the Eyes of a Producer, and Visibility is Power, Discover the Power of Being Seen and Heard. I'm super excited to talk to you today. Rashonda, welcome to the show. I'm so excited. I'm trying to contain my energy, um, having a fangirl moment because I love and adore you, Kelly. So I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. Me too. And don't contain that energy. We want it all out on the podcast. <laughs> so one of the things I do with all my guests is really to kind of talk about their story. I feel like having your own story and sharing your story is such a powerful thing for so many people who maybe are where you have been or maybe in the dire- going in the direction of the same journey. So I would love for you to kind of share your story and tell me, how did you get started? Well, it started in the fourth grade. My mom and dad are from the beautiful country of Trinidad and Tobago. And my dad back then always had control of the remote control. It's not like it is today. You know, there was one TV and one remote control and dad always was in control. So as a fourth grader, American born here, my dad would tell me, um, it's my duty and responsibility to know what's going on in my country and my community. And so he would make me watch the news. While my friends are watching the Smurfs, I'm watching what? Tom Brokaw and Peter Jennings. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I never heard of that. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So he told me that it was my responsibility to know what's going on in my country and my community. So I would watch the news. So I was well-versed on Reaganomics and the Gulf War, by the way. What? As a fourth grader, oh my God, that's amazing. It wasn't until I got into high school, and as you could imagine, I was the kid that was always told on the report card, great student, just talks a lot. And it was during that time in high school that a friend came up to me and said, we have a campus newspaper style show. Uh, We do it on air. And you like to talk a lot. Would you like to be one of those reporters? And it was then that I started to realize seeing people like Oprah come on the scene that I could become a broadcast journalist. So I went to college and studied broadcast journalism. And for 20 years- Okay, wait, I'm gonna stop you there. Because, okay, so you're in high school now. I've got kids that are in high school. And the thought of putting themselves out there is like repulsive to them. Like, what? Stand out from the crowd? Are you kidding me? I can't do that, Right. right? So was that just kind of a natural mindset that you had that you're like, oh, what, you want me to speak on air, be like a reporter? Uh, yes, bring it, like, let's go. Like, were you like that person? Well, I think it's a lot of, as a kid, my mom put me in a lot of things. So I was a Girl Scout, I was in dance, ballet, tap, I modeled. So I was always in front of things. I've also learned how to be an extrovert. My husband doesn't believe this, but I've learned how to be an extrovert because my dad was a welder and we always moved where business was. So I've lived in four or five states. I was always the new kid on the block. 
So I had to learn how to be outgoing. Now, I thought I was doing something good, but it wasn't until I got my first TV job that I realized, wait a sec, I am nervous. I don't like my voice. I don't like how I looked on camera. You know, those gremlins start speaking to you, yes. imposter syndrome, comparison, all yes. of those things are our biggest hater, our biggest critic, right. all of those things started setting in. And I knew in my heart that I was called or had a desire to be in front of the camera. But behind the scenes, working as a television news producer, it was just difficult. And then also, on top of that, putting together a reporter reel. So we would have to put together a reporter reel and shop it around to different TV stations to see if, you know, someone would, you know, say yes and want to bring you on as a All reporter. of that sounds so overwhelming, even it the is. Like, just the, the whole idea that you were like, yes. You know, and I want to, like, to circle back, too, to you saying that you heard those gremlins. Because, listen, y'all can't see her, but she is just put together and lovely and just seems like she is just the picture. If I looked up confidence in the dictionary, it would be her face smiling and waving. That's exactly how put together and confident she looks. So the idea that you two struggled with, I don't know if this is me, should I, I don't like this or whatever, sure. is really just fascinating to me. Share a little bit about that if you wouldn't mind. No, you know, it's funny that you say that. I, I love to say it. I guess I don't look like what I've been through. Because, <laughs> because I had to develop my confidence. I had to build it like a muscle, like working out. Because I think life caught up to me, you know, childhood trauma, you know, the the first boyfriend that you had that broke up to with you, you know, all these things start to catch up. And then you get into an industry that's very much driven by beauty and mm -hmm. poise and mm -hmm. you're not this size, you don't look like this. And then also think about during the time of my upbringing into this industry and actually having a job in the industry, there wasn't a lot of black women, mm -hmm. you know, in the industry. And then the black woman that you did have in the industry, it isn't like it is today where people feel comfortable wearing their natural hair, wearing braids on the air. So it's still this stereotypical mold that you're trying to fit in. You know, as my daughter told me the other day, my 15 year old, she's like, mom, remember that season when you had the Karen hair? And I said, the Karen hair? What, what are you talking about? That was great anchor hair. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, no mom, you had this part and this perfectly you know, bagging it, went over and draped across. I thought it was anchor woman hair. My mom, that my daughter. The hair and hair. <laughs> Don't you just love saying so, They just yeah, they put it down on a whole nother level. <laughs> I understand. They keep me on the you know, I was trying to fit this mold. And I think once I got into building my confidence, which started around after I left the industry and after I left the industry for a time to start a family, to get into ministry, and then I returned. And when I returned, that was the surge of social media. And during the time of me being in TV, the second go round is when live streaming came into play. And what I realized with live streaming was this was my opportunity to show up as myself. And so Whatever that's fantastic. But how did you get there? Because, you know, yeah. you, you kind of went from okay, I, I look different, I feel different, I'm not 100% comfortable. So for someone else that's listening to you now, it goes, well, that's easy for her to say. She's already here now. Like, mm -hmm. how did you get there? What was your your journey to get to the point now where you're so, like, you're confident showing up on video? Because as you know, a yeah. lot of entrepreneurs are, like, terrified to show their face on video 
or to get behind a mic or anything like that because they feel all of those feelings. So tell me a little bit about how you got to that point. Such a great question. So you're taking me back many, many moons ago. It started with a promise. It really did. It started with a promise from God. I remember standing in my newsroom. I was working for a local CBS affiliate as the executive morning show producer. We just wrapped up a two and a half hour newscast. Gail and Nora come on to talk about Periscope and Meerkat, two apps that allow you to live stream on your phone. All my colleagues in the room were talking about this is a way for people to misuse social media. This is stupid. It's just a fad. But I heard a still small voice that said, this is the way walking in. And I took that promise and I showed up messy, Kelly. I'm talking about after I would work my, not even a nine to five, it would be going at 2 a.m., get off 11 a.m. I played around with the app. Within 30 days of Periscope launching, 1 million people downloaded the app. But many of those people did not know how to use it. And I started thinking about, okay, I am just gonna take messy action I'm going to show up talking about what I know. What is it that I know? I know about media. I'm going to show up doing that. And then what I'm going to do is I am going to continue to evolve in front of this camera. So we don't have a nice backdrop. All I have is a white wall and a message in my heart. And I'm going to show up doing that. And then as we continue to grow, this will continue to grow. I just learned to embrace progress over perfection every single time. Mm. So I have this graphic, Kelly, that I use when I'm teaching people about their camera confidence and people can literally see the growth. It was eight years ago, if I marked the time, and it shows the first video I posted on Facebook. First video, 15 views. The second video, still in the eight year time frame, was 32 views. Next video, 72 views. Next one after that, 121. What happened? I just decided that every day I was going to get 10% better. And by the end of 30 days, I would be 300% better. I didn't show up as the Roadshow Live. Honestly, I let my audience name me the Roadshow Live. But here's the funny part. The Roadshow is a nickname that I've had at every TV station I've worked for. I was always called the Roadshow. When I started showing up on Periscope, people started saying, hey, when's the Rose show coming back? They called me what, was already, what I was already being called in the newsroom. And so then I just added live to it and then we create a brand from it. But I just started showing up as without a name. I wasn't the Rose show live. I was just Rashawn the Pratt, media messenger. And then I just started letting this thing evolve in front of people. I started growing in front of my audience. Then now I have people who've been with me from the beginning that said, man, it's been so beautiful to see your evolution. People want to see your growth and they love it if they can be a part of your growth. That is so good. It is so good. I, so many things about what you said really resonate with me. One is just taking that messy action, right? Like you just started with what you already knew, like Moses, what's in your hand? And that's what was in your hand. So it okay. started with that. I find it amazing that people were already calling you that, like you were already named that before you started doing the thing that yes. came, right? Like mm -hmm. God already told you, like, look, this is this is who you are. You just needed some time to step into who you are. It's just, that is really amazing. So when you started showing up on video, obviously, like you said, it was messy. You didn't have a beautiful backdrop, right? Yes. So what would you say to someone who's kind of thinking about like, okay, I know I'm supposed to be showing up. I want to know, grow that with no like and trust. I want to connect with people, but I, you know, I don't want to have to do my hair every day and I don't want to have to, you know, put makeup on and, and find a nice place to film and all that stuff. What would you say to someone like that? 
I would say that you don't want legacy. There's a concept, and this is so new that I'm sharing here, um, that I'm going to continue to unfold. But the Bible has been a bestseller for years. Translated, I think, in 18 uh, or 8,000 languages, rather. Um, it's in hotel rooms at Gideon. A matter of fact, in my studies of this, the Bible is actually one of the most things stolen from hotels. The Bible. Wow, how funny. Okay, I guess you really need it. Okay, right, right, right. It's taken, right? But here's the thing: if you look at the Bible, and not to minimize it, but it's just it's content. It's content that we live our lives by. For those of who profess to be believers, it's content that preachers and teachers, uh, it's content that people lit, use for whatever parenting, in business, whatever. But it's content that is centuries old, but still relevant today. Mm. And what I want people to understand when you say, I don't want to show up and put on my makeup, I don't want to, you know, make the investment in your visibility. What you're saying is you don't want to leave content behind that creates a legacy and leaves a blueprint for people behind you. I just think so good. 10 years of doing this thing that there's videos that people are still watching that I made three, four, seven years ago. And that's still relevant. It's content. It's legacy. And so when we say that we want to do that, you know, the Bible talks about legacy. It talks about that a um, a wise man leaves an inheritance. One of those inheritances that I believe is your story. Mm. And what's the greatest way to capture your story? Written word and and visual. Mm, so good. It reminds me of my, um, my grandmother when she passed a few years ago. We were very intentional about getting her on video, talking about her life and her history right? And all those things. So like different, different members of the family have her like as answering questions, like, so how old were you when you did this? How long ago did you do this? And we can go back. And I have the same thing for my father who also passed, you know, and I have video of him speaking and what a rich legacy that really is, because that's something that you can pass down to your children and share with them. So they know who their, what their history is. Now, in terms of a business owner, like there are people that you are uniquely designed to help. And if you create your legacy of video content, of audio content, whatever, someone can go back just like what they've done with you. You've got these seven, eight-year-old videos. People can go back and see your journey. And I love what you said about how people want to be a part of that journey. They want to see you involved. And it's a quote that I always use. It's Success builds walls, failure builds bridges. So someone wants to see your messy, imperfect action because in that we see ourselves, right? Correct. Correct. It gives them it gives them permission. Your story gives people permission. And when we're talking about whether it's a wealth transfer, we're talking about um, making impact, influence, and income in the world and for the kingdom of God. It goes back to what's in your hand. All of us have a smartphone. I don't think you have a dumb phone. I mean, even my dad upgraded his dumb phone to a smartphone, <laughs> right? All of us have a smartphone, but what we don't understand is the tool of that phone in our hand, Kelly. I've been telling people this, and I believe this wholeheartedly, that the smartphone is the new remote control. Mm. I believe that. So true. People are scrolling. People are going on their phone to order Amazon. They're going on their phone to, to Google and look up information. They're going on their phone to take courses. The smartphone has now become the new remote control. So if that's the case, I can no longer look at my phone just as something that's in the bottom of my bag or just as something. I have to look at this as 
this is a major resource for me to stay connected and make the impact, influence, and income that I desire. So good. So good. You know, what's interesting of something else that you said um, was that you recognized with Periscope that it was a way for you to start sharing your message, right? And I think so many times we miss out on that opportunity, the opportunities that are kind of presented to us. I know for me, I hated social media. I didn't want to be on social media. It took me forever to finally get on social media. And honestly, I look back on that and I go, well, that was dumb. <laughs> like I could have been sharing my story so much earlier, but I just didn't. So it's just like, in terms of like, when you see entrepreneurs kind of hesitant to embrace um want to say trend because trend sounds temporary because I don't believe that video is a trend. <laughs> like it is what yeah. it is. It is here to stay. Speak to that a little bit. When I see people have trepidation or fear about embracing technology, because that's what this is. This is technology, right? Whether it's video, whether it's AI, whatever that is, it goes back to us not being flexible in the fact that God is giving us resources through people that could ultimately make our life easier, easier or help us connect at a deeper level. One of the things that came out during the pandemic of 2020 is when I was talking to a church that reached out to me and one of the very first things they said to me, Kelly, was, Rashonda, you told us to start live streaming long ago. Now we're in a shutdown and we have no choice. And honestly, we're behind. And these folks repented to me. What I told them was, I appreciate the fact that you didn't listen. And this is not me telling you, I told you so. But what I'm going to tell you is repent to God. Because the nine times when I talk to people about this, they know in their knower that God is pulling, calling them, nudging them, saying, hey, try this out. I want you to do X, Y, and Z. I mean, God is a communicator. Jesus is a storyteller. In Luke chapter five, we see where Jesus used communication. He used the media to speak to a crowd of people on the shoreline. How did he do that, Rashonda? So glad that you asked. He got into Simon Peter's boat. He got into his business, told him to launch out, and he used the waves as a microphone to amplify yeah. his message. Mm, yes. I'm just wondering to the person who is wondering if they should do this, I'm wondering about your wonder that if you have ever considered the fact that Jesus wants to get into the boat of your business, but it's gonna require you amplifying your message. Mm. The internet is the new net. Remember, I'll make you fishermen of men, drop your net. It's called the World Wide Web. Yes, preach. I love that. The internet is the new net. That it's is the so good. That is so good. And it's so true. You know, like I always go back to, you know, what was Jesus called? He was the word, right? In the beginning was the word, the word was God. Like he was the word, you know? So all these kind of ways that we are kind of dumbing down our language and, you know, we're not speaking in complete sentences and everything is LOL and OMG or whatever. To me, right. that's like a, a method of the enemy to kind of confuse people, right? Like, because words right. matter, your communication matters and you showing up and using your voice and communicating, that's how we're supposed to be as believers because everyone has a message. So I just right. love that. So Rashana, now you, obviously your faith is huge yes. when it comes to your business and you integrate that in everything. Tell me about your ministry. Like what does your ministry mean to you? And, and relate it to how you do business in general. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. When I was five or six, I had an encounter with with God. I did not grow up in a family 
of uh, believers or people who really attended church on a regular basis. I grew up in a family of, uh, we're West Indian. So there's superstition, traditions of men that make the word of God of no impact, no effect. And when I was five or six, I had this encounter with the Lord where I heard the Lord tell me, um, I felt evil. I felt a presence of death in my room. And the Lord told me, I heard of a peace that came upon me that said, I'm not going to let anything happen to you because I have something significant for you to do. Significant is a pretty big word for someone who's five or six, but I carried that word throughout my life and until I had an encounter where I received Jesus as my savior in college. And that word significant carried me throughout my life and still does. So my job is to help people understand their significance, to help to, to really introduce them to themselves. The word significant, really, when you look it up, just means a sign, mm. it's a, a significant sign. It's a sign. And so all of us are called to be a sign to someone. And so if me creating content or me helping people understand how to be seen, heard, and paid opens up the door for them to be the sign to the next generation or the sign to another woman or man, then I am doing my life's work and I am doing the ministry that God has called me to do. Oh, yes. So, you know, I always talk about how if if the reason you're getting into business is for money, <laughs> that's not big enough. It really isn't. It's not big enough. Because you like when the hard times hit you, you'll be like, you know what, I'm just going to go get a job or I'm going to do whatever. That's the reality. So mm-hmm. having your why and, and especially relating it to your faith, to me, is huge. So when those hard times hit, it doesn't matter because you know you're on assignment from God, right? And so when you, and I recently heard you speak at, um, I don't remember even where you were. It was on your oh boy. on your page. It was so good. Like, I, like I might even drop it. Was this the Portland? Was this the Portland? Yeah, it was something you went away and you, yes. you felt, so you felt like God, you had a download and you were like, okay, you know, this is what I came here to speak on. But then shortly before you were like, I can't, this is not what I'm supposed to be talking about. And it's funny because when I saw that you were going this, cause I followed your, um, your feed and I saw that you were going, I thought, well, interesting. Cause to be honest, it looked like you were the only person of color that was going to be there from what I saw it. And I was like, oh, well, it's just going to be Rashonda. I was like, yes, way to represent. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought, like preach girl, you know? And then when you went and, and the things that you shared were just so powerful. I had no intention of watching most of it because I was busy. Yeah. I watched that yeah. whole thing. Like, talk about that moment. Cause that like that was just to me, I was like, I felt the spirit through the through video. That's like what? that that was a defining moment. And I think it put a lot of my life in perspective. You know, you talked about, you know, was there any other minorities there? Any other women of color? Um, there was a few. There was a few, but largely the the the, the role was our Caucasian sisters. Um, then next would be our Hispanic and Latina sisters, and then um, African American. When I think about my life, Kelly, that's always been the case. I've always been whether it was dance, tap, modeling, um, my journalism program, very few and far between. But I realized that I'm the bridge. I'm I'm called to be. I have a new appreciation for scripture that says that we're called to be ministers of reconciliation. I've often read that and always 
equated that to being reconciling people back to God, that Jesus is the mediator. And I introduced them to Jesus, who then puts them back into right standing with God. True. I think that it also means reconciling people and their differences, especially when it comes to race. So here I am at this conference, 5,000 people, 40 countries watching online. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to talk about how to claim your mountain with media. And an hour before I'm about to speak, I feel this impression from the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking, what is this? I'm weeping and I'm crying. And he says, you need to tap into what you're feeling. And I need you to change your message. Now, what people don't understand was, it was an hour before, I'm very much a planner, okay? Um, that's some of my TV news experience and also helps to keep my anxiety low. Um, so I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. with the planner. And this was the first time that I just gave God an immediate yes. Now, he and I had been already working on some things. There were some words that God spoke to me as I was coming into that week of this assignment. But it was one of those things like he said to me, I need you to do this. I said, okay, what is our scripture? And what do you, he gave me one scripture and gave me one sentence. I went back to my room. And this is why, just inserting this to the singles out there, this is why it's important about being married. I called my husband. There's a three-hour time zone difference. He's literally picking up kids as I'm calling him, and I'm saying, this is what God is saying. I need you to help me craft this message. And we are in a Google Doc, and he is like voice memoing in the doc because he's picking up our kids, and we're reasoning together on the phone, praying as it, I mean, he's talking to me about stuff and I'm literally saying stuff like the fear of man is a snare, but the fear of God brings wisdom and knowledge. Because listen, mm-hmm. I'm going about to, I'm about to confront principalities and strongholds. And this yeah. is the first time this person has invited me. And I don't know if they're going to usher me off the stage, Kelly. Let's wow. be honest. Because yeah. he's calling, he's telling me, I need you to confront racism. Racism. People don't want to talk about that. And he's mm-hmm. like, I need you to confront that. And so I put that together gave God my Now, yes. did they know you were going to come out there and talk? Like, so you no. told them what you were going to talk about initially I, and that, that changed. That changed. She wow. literally produced me, had someone else come up to do like a little precursor thing before I got up there. Uh, the person was talking about the experience with social media and I whispered in her ear. I said, hey, I, my, my message has changed. And I just, she's like, go for it. I trust you. And I was just like this, okay, thank God, because okay. this is going to get really interesting. And I just decided that um, I was willing to take an L if there was a loss to take for God. I was willing that I was not going to let this gospel or the fact that Christ died on a cross for for me to not take a stand for him. I just wasn't going to do it. So if people were like, which people, some people were looking at me strange, I wasn't willing to do it. Well, the end result was floods beautiful came up to the altar, different races to to repent, to reconcile, to because we can't take a mountain if I don't love my neighbor. Mm-hmm. We can't talk about winning America. We can't talk about um, America needs to be better if we're not confronting these societal issues. Racism was also in the Bible too. I mean, the woman of Samaria confronted Jesus and said, "What do you being Jew have to do with someone me? Come on, that's race. That's racism." So we have to we have to have this dialogue and conversation. And what came out of that? was just something really beautiful that many people came up to me and I'm talking about people who did not look like me and you and said, we needed that and I'm glad that you did that. And let me also say this other thing too, to the person who is also being, as I told God, you're picking a fight and throwing me in the ring. That's what I felt like. You're picking a fight and then you're throwing me <laughs> to the person who's ever experienced that or who's currently God's asking you to do something that's very uncomfortable and awkward. 
backward, I want to encourage you in this thought of understanding. Someone came up to me and said, as I was getting ready to prepare, they said, Rashonda, we've been praying for this moment that God is ushering you in for 10 years. Mm-hmm. 10 years. I had a responsibility to Christ, but you ready for this? I haven't even said it like this ever before, Kelly, and this is causing me to shudder at the thought if I wasn't obedient. I also had a responsibility to that person's prayers. Mm-hmm. So let me take this back full circle. Okay, this is so good. Okay, I think you're going. I hear your Holy Spirit. So let's take this full circle. Back to your question to the person who was like, I don't want to be on camera. I don't want to show up. I don't want to do the thing. Okay, well, you have to take into account that you are going to be held accountable for the person who's been praying for you. They don't know you by but they've been praying, man, I just really, I need a coach who can really help me with my sales yes. and my marketing. But here you on the other side saying, I'm not going to show up. I'm not going to do it. There is someone praying for you. And when you understand the depth of that responsibility, you can no longer be consumed with your own thing because I am someone's answered prayer. This person told me, Rashonda, we prayed 10 years for this moment that you're about to walk in. Please do everything that God's telling you. 10 years. Wow. What a different way to look at it, right? Like it's not about you. You, whatever you're walking through, whatever God has gifted you with, it's not for you. It's the people that you were called to serve and share with. Oh, that's right. 10 years. And I went up there. I did what I needed to do, right? My friend, Adrian Young was there. She covered me in prayer because I mean, I didn't even know she live streamed this event and there were people who it's just, that's another, to go into those details, I don't want to go into the nuances of that. But here's what happened. I came off the stage. I literally felt like the cloud of witnesses were proud. The Bible talks about surrounded mm-hmm. by a cloud of witnesses. I, I, I sensed and felt that God said, good job. I'm well, so proud of you. But yes. here's the part that warmed my heart and I will forever hold in my spirit and in my soul. When I walked off that stage and my 15-year-old daughter, I didn't know why she needed to come. I just know she needed to be there. And going into this, and I was telling her, she said, Mom, you've done hard things before. And I said, yes, but not like this. This is going to be hard, Jael, but I'm going to do it because I'm going to obey God. To come off the stage and see my daughter fighting back to you and say, mm. Mom, great job. Wow. Good job, Mom. Wow. It was Pleasing so God wow. and leaving a legacy and imprint for my daughter. Back to legacy. Yeah. Back to legacy. Like, honestly, I cannot believe that you pulled that off an hour before you were supposed to speak. Now, that doesn't tell you that the Holy Spirit was in it. Like, totally in it. Because the TV producer, Rashonda, would have been freaking out. And I'm calling my husband, like crying. And I'm just, this is what we got to do. This is what God's saying. This is the scripture. This is the one sentence I had. I was like, we got to roll with it. And he and I are going through. He's like, yeah, talk about the children of Israel. Make sure you do this. Make sure you take a stand on this. And and I just mapped it out. But it was one page. It wasn't even full notes. The rest of it, Mm -hmm. I said, Lord, what are we going to do? He said, don't worry about it. He says, what do you always say? Psalm 81. And I've been saying this for 10 years. As I open my mouth, God, you'll feel it. And you'll fill it with good things. He said, okay, you stand on that word and I'll fill in the gap and I'll fill in the pieces. And that's exactly what he did. I love that you mentioned that scripture because I literally just read that today. (laughs) I love how God just brings things together. Rashonda, honestly, that, that speech, that, that whatever you want to call it, that sharing, that, that, that thing that you did truly, there could be a masterclass on just that, because just the way that you took the audience through that kind of revelation that God gave you 
and the reaction that they had. I mean, you had so many people crowding the stage. I mean, it was so impactful. Like, honestly, that's like a whole nother, we can have a whole nother podcast on how beautiful it was to just watch because it was just such a great job. So God, when I appreciate your obedience because I loved seeing that. And I told you my first thought was like, oh, look at her way to represent. And the fact that you brought that message to people who needed to hear that message of re reconciliation and loving your neighbor, it was just yes. so powerful. So, so powerful. So I think I got in the show notes. So, all right, my friend, this has been an absolute pleasure. So enjoyed having you on the show. Loved you. We got connected through the summit and I loved having you on the summit. One of the most powerful speakers that we had at the summit. <clears throat> so I just appreciate that we're able to kind of reconnect. Um, if someone wants to connect with you further and learn more from you, how can they do that? Sure. So I love to hang out on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. So make sure to connect with me there and let me know that you heard me on the podcast and check out my website, theroshowlive.com. Um, if you are interested in really becoming the communicator that God has called you to be so you can be seen, heard, and paid. Because you don't know, have the right to remain silent. Your silence isn't golden. Your visibility is power. Your visibility with his power, that's what makes the difference. Beautiful. Love it. Thank you so much, my friend. You're welcome. Until next time, friends. Hey, friends. Are you stuck in a cycle of procrastination, analysis paralysis, perfectionism? Are you feeling like you're unable to launch your program, get more clients, and build a business you know can change people's lives? I'm Kelly Thompson, author, speaker, and founder of the Waymaker Society, and I've been where you are, wrestling with doubt and a ticking clock. But here's the solution, the Align to Attract Academy. Imagine teaching your signature program, helping those you're called to serve, and gaining the freedom you crave. The Align to Attract Academy is a step-by-step -step blueprint to turn your knowledge into a profitable signature program, simple and stress-free. In step one, you'll learn the MAP framework, going from idea to impact. Step two, you'll learn to magnetize your message and authentically connect with your dream clients without sleazy strategies. And step three, you get visible to those who need your offer without the 24-7 social media grind. Don't stay on the sidelines, friends. Time is a non-renewable resource. Join the Align to Attract Academy today and make a quantum leap in your entrepreneurial journey. Go to www.aligntoattract.com slash academy.